0: Listening to the cross border interviews with Chris Brown. Welcome back to another great edition of the Cross Border Interviews with Chris Brown. I am your host, Chris Brown, and today we are talking about one of the biggest races in Canada right now, and that is the race. To store That is the leader of the official opposition. The Conservative Party of Canada is heading into a leadership race. As of April 19th, candidates need to be announced by April 19th to officially be on the ballot for the September 10th leadership race, whenever that wherever in Canada that is going to be held. But August, April 19th. That's the day that, that candidates have to announce. So far, to date, six candidates have put their name forward. Uh, I'm going to get to our guest here in a second, but I just want to name off the names here. Pierre Polivar announced February 5th. Leslin Lewis, March 8th. Roman Baber, Bob Baber. I, pan- I apologize if I'm pronouncing his name wrong. March 9th. Former Premier John Sharay, March 9th as well. Joseph Borno. Saskatchewan business owner announced March 10th. Patrick Brown announced on March 13th. And this Sunday, so two days from now of this airing, another candidate from Perry San Muskoka, the MP, is going to be announcing as well. So we have a lot to digest. We have a lot to talk about over the next few minutes. And to do that, I'm bringing on my friend, a close friend of the family. Uh, He's been on the show probably about more times than me now. But Mr. Jeremy (laughs) Waller, Jeremy, thank you so much for doing this on this beautiful Friday morning that we are totally airing this live.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. Well, the sun is shining in Southwest calgary or southeast calgary at this time on friday morning yes here so, totally yeah. at least someone <laughs> knows how to play the game here i sure do it's like yes the sun is totally in the right direction anyway so it's great to be it's great to be here chris it's great to be fun by the way Eventually, you'll get it right. Wool word, not wool-, wool word, but that's okay. Okay. If anyone
0: has listened to any of my shows this week, you know I suck at names. Okay. I've just okay. officially agreed to that. I'm officially calling everyone guest one, guest
1: two, and guest three. So, oh, sweet. Do I get, do you get to ask me what my favorite date is going to be like? Like, guest number one, what is yep. your idea of a perfect date? <laughs> I this guess is, in this, this is not the dating game. <laughs> Oh man, Jesus! you could have said like, what's the, what's the date for the, what's the date for the deadline for the nominations there, Chris? Say that again. April, A- April 19th. Candidates have to have so, filed. So there you go. The data, my the idea of the perfect date <laughs> is April 19th. My nominations are filed. I'm as blue as you can get. And I promise to scrap the carbon tax and freedom.
0: Are we officially getting a ninth candidate in this race from Calgary, Alberta? The very first Alberta-based candidate is announcing
1: on the cross-border interviews with Chris Brown. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. That's gonna happen. But I appreciate the confidence that you would instill and trust in me. Actually, no one should be con- no one should be asking for this. But we're just gonna chat. I can tell you right now that isn't gonna happen. But I appreciate the thought. But we are going to chat. We are going to yeah, chat. We- so
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be the first to admit, I'm not surprised that we are in the midst of a leadership review, uh, leadership race, I should say. Uh, After the last uh, federal election, Aaron O'Toole did not gain seats. He did not grow the support that he needed to uh, turf Justin Trudeau. The knives were out, but it didn't come until February during the leadership con or the truckers convoy, the freedom convoy that descended upon Ottawa to turf Justin Trudeau, ended up turfing Aaron O'Toole. Jeremy, what did you think about the lead up to this race that was all about overthrowing Justin Trudeau but it ended up overthrowing the conservatives instead.
1: Well, let's let's <laughs> disclaim. Let me put a big disclaimer out there right here right now. I work in I work in the trucking industry. I think that's important to mention here cuz the next comments are going to either going to ha- make people happy or they're going to piss some people off. You're right. So but here we go. Here's your here's your cross here's your cross border Twitter storm right here for you Chris is I think that trucker convoy was a load of crap bona fide load of crap full stop and I honestly believe like see the result I'm not surprised by the result I'm not surprised how this convoy who supposedly gone to liberate Canada from the tyranny of putting a piece of cloth over your face, over your nose and mouth, or getting a jab—you know—to be a good, responsible citizen and protect uh, others from a pandemic that is not over, despite what people might actually have you believe—was such a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another conversation. But <laughs> we, are gonna get no, banned like from.
0: I'm, you're gonna get banned from YouTube for saying stuff like that, there, Jeremy. Uh, the, Again, guys, I should well, say,
1: well, geez, all you see, all you see on me and YouTube is either workout me roughing or me and workout videos. So frankly, I'm like, have fun. You know what? Do it. <laughs> there you go. Some people will be like, just put it on an OnlyFans. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. no, that's not going to happen either. But no, I totally digress and we've now moved this into like the Deadpool category of uh, interviews but no, I think the result is not, not surprising. the result, not the result didn't surprise me. The fact that the response from the federal conservatives regarding this convoy was so deeply polarized, uh, where you have many in the caucus, including the presumed front runner for the current leadership who are standing out here and willing to chest them and support what would be are would are are arguably Ill- were illegal uh protest blockades. Like, yeah, not so much the act of protesting, but how they went about doing it is where you question the legalities of it. But to stand have someone there standing there and supporting it, and then having the leader of the federal conservatives, the leader of the official opposition, taking a more moderate tone that some of the hard right and some of the hard base. Uh, were simply, no, this doesn't work. We can't have this. And dump them. Oh, yeah. Like they wanted, they needed a reason to dump him. They needed a reason for it. They didn't want O'Toole. As you said, he didn't produce the results that the party wanted. and they need, And they needed a reason to let him go. But no one wanted the optics of having another leadership review and another leadership contest. So this happened to just give them something that they desperately needed an excuse. So it played well. It didn't, like say, Justin Trudeau is still prime minister of Canada. And let's like, say, uh, Candace Bergen there, not Murphy Brown, but the other Candace Bergen decide to like get my way to start away. Move, move, move. It's like, I need to be in here, queen, get out of here. Right. And now we're going to see who is going to be the new torchbearer and see who's going to go up against the prime minister again. And, um, like, none are, of it surprises me, Chris. Are the Conservatives doomed to
0: repeat history, though? Because we in politics today, unless you're the NDP, I would say the Greens, but we all saw what happened with Animi Paul, but we see the NDP, if you lose the first time, you're out. With the NDP, if you lose the first time, we'll give you another shot, then we'll give you another shot. We'll give you another shot until you decide to leave. Are the Conservatives going to wake up one day and officially say, "Okay, maybe one and done is not the right way forward? The Liberals did it as well. The Liberals did it with the Stefan Dion. The Liberals did it with Michael Ignatieff. Are the Conservatives doomed to repeat history if they don't get a leader this time that, is in it for the long haul and not just in it for one potential election and then see the conservative caucus revolt because they didn't bring them back to power.
1: Well, you you highlighted, you highlighted the distinction right there, Chris. It's not about for the federal conservatives being a one and done. It's not even, that's not the question that we should be asking. The question should be asking is the conservative party of Canada ever going to get its crap together and actually figure out a vision for the future besides beating justin trudeau like that's their only mo their operatus mundi is beat the, beat the true beat the trudeau liberals and you know what you can maybe galvanize of an electorate to go with that but at the end of the day it becomes a potemkin village that is just doomed for failure like we all know the analogy of the potemkin village it looks great looks fancy but when you go behind the scenes it's just it's hollow there's nothing of substance there so it might sound great as a chest thumping campaign speech. It might sound great to an electorate that feels disenfranchised or frustrated that the uh, true that the Trudeau government has chosen to modify um, their platform and modify their policy positions contrary to what they chose to run on and were elected based on those policies or in many ways got themselves stuck in their own in their own quagmires of their own making right people feel disenfranchised yeah they might be able to go for that for the long haul but unless there's something there unless the conservative party of canada can actually present a vision of the future that actually is true to the core tenets of what you know conservatism should look like then yeah it's just going to be it's just going to be a rinse a, a rinse repeat we look at it in Alberta, look at it, look at it here. And now, like, I don't mean, I don't, I know this is a, a federal talk. Well, we got to, let's call, let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. Alberta's the Bush league. Like, honestly, it's the Bush league of federal conservative politics. Like you watch, you watch the junior league players play here and then they get promoted. They get promoted to the big, get promoted to the big times. Or in the case of some, they think, oh, well, we're going to come down and enhance the homegrown talent. And it blows up spectacularly in their faces, which is what we're seeing evidence of today. So you can't talk about one without talking about the other. And I will be drawing a couple analogies to this during the course of this conversation. But yeah, the issue isn't whether the leaders want or it done. It's the issue is, is the vision of the party sustainable? in the long term and honest to goodness Chris I don't think it is and they have to have a sit down come to whatever deity they want to moment and recognize that shit this isn't working like we're not gaining the traction we want because we're we don't have anything else besides slogans and that's And that just stems into another conversation is what is conservatism in Canada these days? That's another, and I say, that would be the next, my mind, that's the next question you have to ask.
0: We pride ourselves on going beyond that 15 second soundbite. Be sure to hit that subscribe button today to be kept in the loop of all the great episodes that are coming up on the show. Also click on the links in the show notes and follow our social media pages as well. Well, it, it, it's a good segue into the next set of questions I want to ask. And that is, after Harper, Harper was able to keep the coalition together. We talk about the coalition and parties. The Liberals have a coalition of the left and the center. The, the Conservatives have a coalition of the center and the right. Stephen Harper was able to hold that together. Andrew Scheer tried to, but it didn't really work out. And he wasn't able to build that center coalition and bring back the Harper Conservatives to the fold. And then they went in the 2020 election with Erin O'Toole, who brought the party more to the center and l- forgot about those right supporters who left towards uh, Maxine Bernier and the People's Party of Canada. Now, this, this leadership is, do we go back to the extreme right? Do we stay in the center? It's about kind of and I know this is the analogy that a lot of people have used and it's the worst analogy ever ever but it's about the soul of the party what vision does the party want to hold and will they be able to sell that vision and hold on to that vision because after uh, sheer left Andrew shear the leader in the 2019 election, the party basically said that that policy book that that the whole platform that we ran on completely out to left field now we don't believe in it. 2021 that that platform we don't believe in it anymore we're completely this new party and everyone knows who we are and we're just the the true conservative party is this leadership race about where the party needs to go or is this leadership race about who has the bigger manhood in some sense
1: <laughs> Should have just said it, Chris. It's like, I was going go. to, but I was like, ah, don't pull it back. Oh, man. If it had rolled reverse, I would have, to, oh, I would have totally said it. But, anyway. <laughs> but no, but if you think about it, my friend, you just identified exactly. And you know what? I know you hate the analogy, but it's the right analogy. Because if you think about it, there are three different versions of conservatism at play. Yeah. So you have your neoconservative movement which uh, is defined as former liberals that have now turned conservative. Like this was the highlights of the Reagan years, the Ronald Reagans, the Margaret Thatchers, which is where you're going to like... You're going to see the Reagan
0: Democrats. You're going to see the uh, Labour Thatchers. You're going to see like conservatives who get the support of soft left supporters.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. And you say they're supported that you're going to be, you're going to support, you're going to have, the support of the state, You're, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to want a greater role in the in the state in executing policy, but they're still going to trump those whole things of open markets, deregulation, everything else, and they're going to they're going to cater to both sides of that of that equation and hope like heck it works. And in Alberta, it worked from '93 to 2005. That was Ralph Klein. Ralph Klein, ESA, was defined, and he was defined in my 2000 Social Studies 30 textbook, as an Alberta version of a neoconservative. Look at his history, that's what you see. So that's one part of the party in play. The second element of the party is the social conservatism. Now, this is your true blue reform. These are your Manningites. These are Old so reformers, old
0: Canadian Alliance members, yeah,
1: members yeah. of the Reform Party, <laughs> from Calgary. There you go. Right, we gotta have, we gotta have, at least have a Manning job in there somewhere. But these are your who inherently collapse uh, the role of conservatism and the role of faith, morals, everything else. Now, I'm saying, I'm saying here, there's nothing wrong with believing in something. There's nothing wrong in having your own values. The issue here is that the social conservative movement wants to have those values and those morals imposed as law. That is the intervention they are looking for. That's where they're thinking that that moral responsibility that given authority to govern those type of policies has an impact and at the same time promote those same thing of let's say fair capitalism unchecked unchallenged and this is where we're running into a lot of issues because this is where your populists like to reside. Whether they're true populists, whether they're populists in sheep's clothing, I don't particularly care what you call them, but this is where this is where you're getting into. And this is the element that is hard. This the, the social conservatives are the hardest element to nail down. The third element, which is where I would like I say I fancied myself this at one time, in many ways I still do, are the progressive conservatives. So this is your, these are your Joe Clarks. These are your, hey, this is hey, These are your Jean Charest. These are your Peter Lougheeds. These are those who recognize that an entrepreneurial spirit and the ability to provide for oneself and for one's family of your own ability is paramount but at the same time you have a responsibility as stewards if you want, if you will to take care of those less fortunate to build uh to build a system that doesn't marginalize that doesn't that doesn't discriminate that you're thinking into the future you're thinking what are future generations going to inherit from the fruit of our labors in the here and now now for me to talk like that you're like oh, that sounds like a social conservative thing to say. I'm like, well, maybe, but you know what? That's how I just see the world. But no, it's quite, isn't it? Another conversation, another deep dive for another day, you and I. But honestly, like I do base a lot of my political positions, opinions, values. You know what? My faith does help inform some of it, but I look at it from a rather progressive point of view that it's not a crime to make sure that you have means to take care of the poor. It's not a crime to be able to say, if you can't work, then we're going to help you. We're going to empower you to learn the skills, to get the education you need that you can work. And we're not just going to leave you to fend for yourself. We're also thinking of that environmental responsibility. How are we going to, what are we going to use with the revenues that we collect from the resources that we have and that we're bringing to market? Like this is, that was the her- that was the heritage fund. That was Loughey- that was Lockheed's vision of that. And in the federal progressive conservatives, despite whatever, I say despite whatever you'd like to say, some of them got it right during the years of progressive conservatism. There's a reason why Joe Clark, despite all the fun little jokes and quirks and memes and anything else you want to say, there's a reason why Joe Clark's respected as a statesman. Because Joe Clark knew how to get that done and knew how to see. That see that vision and Jean Charest in his own way kind of heralds back to that. But circling back to what we were talking to your original question, the soul of the party, these three factions are very different from each other. They all have different, the only thing they have in common really is the word conservative in their titles. It means some means something very different to each different group and the and the thing is is until they can figure out which one of these they actually want to have win the day you're going to see this happen again you're going to see your camp show up and it might work for an election cycle or two but eventually the sticks going to get old like it's not it's not sustainable like if you're trying to think of something where say policy. You know what? Let's just throw, let's just throw it out there. Carbon pricing. Let's talk about it. We're talking about, we're talking about carbon fees, carbon levies. Let's use Alberta. Alberta was the first to come up with their own one. They had a, they had a plan in place for large, for large polluters back in 2007. This is like a Stelmac thing. Okay. But they saw the need then to recognize that, you know what you have, if you're going to pollute, you have a price to pay. There's a social responsibility there. Now, the idea of any, the idea of any tax or levy, right. Is that you pay for use. Yeah. If you don't use it, you don't pay. The idea of it is, is that, you know what? You could actually make it profitable in the long run. If there, if there's a reason to incent, to incentivize it, to actually give some perks and to actually, you know, raise profit. I don't know, invest in something, invest. Uh, invest in a future. Let that generate you. If you're you're talking about that less faire fair less a fair capitalist and mindset, you can use a policy to help promote and protect an environment to mitigate the cost of to mitigate the impact of climate change, and also still make some money on it. So, but it, it, they've regressed the policy to nothing more than it's bad and evil without having any frame of mind like let's put it let's hear. i'll give you another one there chris just to add for your context here jim prentice okay bless his soul i actually quite actually quite like the guy but jim prentice had it right if jim prentice had managed to stay premier of alberta and in, implemented his own carbon pricing it would have been very similar to the one we saw with the not with the notly government if you read his book Yep, which I which I have and love. Like I read Triple Crown, you would have seen that form. And Prentice understood that, and that is why, despite some of the hubris, it would have been it would have been a tangible for the conservative voter. Sorry, if it was presented in such a way, but nobody in in the federal caucus is talking about like that now. All you hear is scrap the carbon tax, scrap the carbon tax. It's like. But what are you actually doing? Like you're chopping off your foot to spite your face. But again, you're not, like say, it's not pragmatic. These approaches are not pragmatic. And there are three very, say, three different conflicting views. And this is just one example of that where the federal conservatives can't agree. And if they can't agree, how the hell do they expect the, uh, the, the, the electorate to be behind it? You're going to have one candidate that's going to say, maybe we should consider this. You're going to have another that says, no, we're not going to do this. And then you're going to have some in the background saying, hey, guys, um, I kind of want to live to my 80s and not have to deal with like, you know, acid rain or extreme drought or extreme fires or floods, whatever you want to call it. Maybe we should be doing something. And they get proverbially tossed out the window, just like those memes like, how do we do to get home? Uh, maybe go on side quests. Maybe consult their spirit animals. Maybe not do side quests and just stray home and get, <coughs> tossed, get tossed out the window. So, Or the airlock, whatever you want to call it. Like, that's, that's what I watch. And that's why it frustrates me to no end that the current Conservative Party of Canada can't get its shit together. but they need to figure out what that rule is. So you bring
0: up a lot of good questions now because you have, in your scenario, there's three different conservative parties and there are six candidates, seven as of Sunday running for this leadership. Mm -hmm. I, I can pinpoint each one of these seven candidates into one of those three categories. And that's a large umbrella. How do you win a general election when your base is one-third of your party? Because if I'm going to the general electorate, I'm assuming I have the backing of my party, the full party, not just 33% of the party, but the full party. Trudeau has done this significantly well. He is able to get the left and the right together and say, hey, stick with me and we'll win. We see this leadership race becoming a slugfest and they are attacking each other. Like it's a general election. Like I've never seen a leadership race in my life. And I've only been around since the early nineties when I first got involved in politics. So I wasn't around during the uh, Turner Pierre years. So I could be wrong, but the more Pierre and John Charest and Patrick Brown attack each other, the more divided the party is going to be. So I, I, the 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 million the, the question that I have to ask is 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 winning at all costs gonna be detrimental to the party and to the future of the conservative party?
1: <laughs> you might want to call you might want to call Jason Kenny and ask him that question <laughs> because that's the same. No, it's exactly that. And I'm gonna use that as the framing the points to this answer. I'm gonna totally use it because I was there. I watched it. I was part of it. I, let's start, let's just start. Let's just rehash some history here. 2016, November, 2016 in Red Deer. Okay. We're not even a month into this thing. We're at a policy meeting and Kenny and his supporters accost Sandra Gansk. They throw the most disgusting obscenities in her way. They tear down posters. They call her a baby killer. They call her a bunch of other stuff. Like, truly disgusting comments. Sandra leaves. Sandra went to join the NDP. Boom. There's one group of voters gone, right?
0: Well, I wouldn't say and, all, all of the progressives left at that time. Because no, you, still, they, you, you still have people like Starkey in the-, uh, the Oh, in I know. There. And that's
1: why I'm, I'm getting to that. Don't, don't get me wrong. Okay. I'm, I'm getting to that. I'm sure- yeah, no, you're right. Just chronological I, ordering it. <laughs> well, yeah, because you and I were there, Chris. We saw it. We were we were there. And so yeah, so Sandra left, left a huge, left a huge impact. Like that definitely left some ricochets. But yeah, and then you have Richard Starkey, bless his soul, one of the nicest people you're ever gonna meet. And honestly, he's the only politician I've actually had in my home. I'm Aww. friends with a bunch of them, but he's the only one I've actually had in my home. And I love it because him and his wife are just like the best people I've ever met. Love I, them. I really need to have him on this show. I'm going to send you. You really do. But you have Richard Starkey. You have Stephen Kahn. Rick you have Yeah. You, well, well, and Byron Nelson. We're the other, we're the other candidates, right? Uh, Donna Kennedy-Glenns, she, she left Um, Her story was a very interesting one. I don't necessarily want to go digress into it because I have my own feelings there. But anyway, but now you're left with, you're left with Khan, Starkey, Nelson, and Kenny. Okay. So what happens then is like they take out the number one threat because Sandra Jansen was a number one threat. The NDP did not want Sandra Jansen as a PC leader in, in 2016. They're the, she is the only one who so the NDP actually re- ran attack ads are. And I actually remember one of them. It was kind of crazy. It was the internet ones like Sandra Jansen said what? And uh. she was the only one, only one that actually they actually ran banners against because they had always even openly admitted we were scared. If Sandra Jansen became the leader of the PCs in 2017, we were scared because Sandra could have galvanized that vote and made a very different turn of phrase. But my point I digress, not going to go back. Back on track, that was my squirrel moment. You now have Kenny. Yeah. You now have Kenny and you now have these three moderate progressive conservatives, okay? Yep. The anti the anti gets up and go and gets higher. Like now here we go. The Kenny's goons, whatever you want to call them cuz I will call them goons cuz that's exactly what they are. They raise the bar. They get ugly, they get nasty. The attacks on social media persist. Anyone who was even remotely identified as a left Tory or as a a red Tory, sorry, were accosted, insulted, ridiculed, accused of being insiders and elites that we were subverting the will of democracy. Yeah. That was a hot take from uh, the spouse of the current minister of municipal affairs in Alberta. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed, I enjoyed, uh, ending her time at the mic during that delegate contest. I'll forever be proud of that. Was, she got a very loud stop at my end. Oh, yeah. I wasn't having any of that crap. But anyway, but we, that's what we put up with. And it got, and then we get to March. The delegates are all selected. We all know that the end has come. And then what can these people do? They just make it even worse. They go to votes. I was working the ballot box that day. I had coup tug George Clark show up. And to my face, he's like, you know what? You really think you need to count this box? It's like in two hours when this is all done, people like you are no longer welcome here because we're taking over and we're going to take back Alberta. Oh, yeah. wonder how George have... Clark's
0: doing these days.
1: <laughs> George Clark now is while well, he's going around and telling people how they should uh, save Kenny. And I was like, well, George Clark can go kiss my fat ass. And there's plenty of it to kiss. So there you go, George, line up, pucker up. There's two hemispheres there. You might, might as well enjoy one of them. But anyway, so, but here but here you go. Kenny's coronated. The next day, they dragged Troy Wason out. The executive director of PC Alberta publicly demand his resignation. Like an embarrassing moment board leaves. Then there's a few stragglers behind, but the damage has been done. Now, Kenny's consolidated this base. He's consolidated his camp. But the point of all of that is it was a marriage of convenience. It was very much his whole message was beat the NDP to end the Notley-Trudeau alliance. And he managed to round up the Wild, his Wild Rose supporters those conservatives who enjoyed being at the public trough for so many years and rallied them together but they're two very different parts of the party you now have the he essentially removed the progressive conservatives from the mix and he's left with neoconservatives and he's left with social conservatives and frankly the two groups don't like each other they don't by virtue by virtue they don't that's just some (coughs) of those political trends look at Let's just use, again, let's use Ralph Klein. Ralph Klein called Jason Kenney an asshole. He was not a fan of our our current premier. He probably wouldn't be a fan of him today if he were still alive. Those, and now you're watching those two groups implode. And Kenney's coalition is imploding around him. So, sure, you know what? The federal conservatives can go and play the same game. You know what? Pierre, let's just use Pierre because let's just, for intents and purposes, He's the voice. He's the poster child. Everyone's. He's the re- front
0: runner, and I think a lot of people know that, and I think a lot of people are under the impression that it's his to lose, and it we, is his. To- we said that about uh, Maxine Bernier. We said that about Peter McKay. So you never know what could happen on uh, September 10th, but it's his to no. lose.
1: So yeah. So let's just argue, let's just argue for sake, all things equal, it's Pierre's. It's Pierre's to lose. Pierre is of the same cloth as the Jason Kenny's, the Stephen Harper's, that social conservative that just hovers the line. You know, the ambiguous ones, the ones that can flutter between one or the other, uh, can change the spots if you need to, like a leopard that can change his spots based on where, based on how the mood suits him.
0: I just so find Pierre, it funny that a lot of people have forgotten the fact that Pierre Polavieir worked in Jason Kenney's Ottawa office for a few years before getting elected as an MP in Carlton. Because oh you yeah. have to remember, Pierre is from Calgary-Mindapour, which Jason Kenney represented up until he left to go save Alberta. So maybe they are cut from the same loincloth.
1: <laughs> well. As much as, like, say, as I can make gab here do not make any jabs at my sport. But then when I found out that Pierre Paul was a Calgary wrestler, too, in high school and stuff, I'm just like, wow. Okay. So now your joke just makes you even more funnier. So, <laughs> uh-huh, uh, I'm going to be, I'm going I'm to go, I'm going like to burn for that one. But anyway, I digress here. Um, but no, but they say Pierre's cut from that cloth, that Harper cloth, that Kenny cloth. That is who he is. That's why people are putting so much faith in that because they're trying to recreate what happened with Harper. That's what they want. That's what a lot of the base wants. And that is why Pierre is going to get a large pass on some of the crap that's going on, like the attacks, Patrick Brown, like some of the stuff that went between him and Patrick Brown right now. It's like, Oh my gosh, you two. I like what it. the, well, <laughs> oh. you know what? I don't, It's like debate a policy, debate an issue. Kenny did the same thing in the leadership race too, where you have Starkey, Khan, Nelson. At this point, it was just Starkey and Nelson with uh, Kenny in that final run-up to uh, the convention in Calgary, right? The February debate at the Legion Hall, the birthplace of the NDP of all places. And Nelson and Starkey are asking questions. And then here's Kenny running up to the mic and trying to change the channel and be like, But this, but this, I'm like, answer the flipping question. It's like debate the issue. Stop making it about you. Like, oh my gosh, drama queen, stop it. But they're going to get a pass. He got a pass that because it was his to lose because that's what the base wanted. That social conservative base and that sign, if you're going to be blunt, that is the problem of the, of the, of the modern conservative party is the so, is that social conservative reform element. Yeah. And I'm going to leave that there and I will die on that hill. I you want... Go ahead. all I'm just going to say, and I don't want to digress here because I don't want your viewers to think, oh my gosh, Jeremy's never getting to the point. Like maybe he should be a politician. But no, the point I'm trying to make here is that Pierre's going to get that pass. He's going to, it's going to let it slide because the base knows what the base wants. The base wants a guy with gusto and enthusiasm that can get the job done. The problem is they don't think about how far it's gonna go in the future. They're not thinking long-term. They're not not thinking about how do we sustain this over five, 10, 15 years, maybe that's too long. But they're not thinking long-term. They're thinking in the here and now. They're thinking getting rid of Justin Trudeau is gonna solve all the problems that if we have another Stephen Harper, every issue, everything wrong in Canada is going to go away. Look look at Alberta. That was the same mentality that people had with the with Kenny and, and, the, and the UCP. Oh, we're going to get rid of the Notley NDP. All of our issues will go away. They never left. And in fact, the issues became further exacerbated. Like COVID just ended up shining a light on a lot of the... Uh, Lot of the uh supports of the UCP Potemkin village, you realize it was nothing but hollow promises and false hope. So, I say it might be peers to lose, but unless they come, unless they can come up with something you know, a lot more coherent and actually rally the party, not just that 33 percent, and actually figure out how to bring those, L, those three elements together, you're Gonna, you're gonna see, you're gonna, you're gonna see another Trudeau win. It might be his last, but you're gonna see another Liberal win. And heaven help the Conservatives if uh, Christia Freeland is it re- replaces Justin Trudeau as the leader. You know what? There's an, enough populist idea there and popularity there that nah, she can make she can make things interesting. So she could. Uh, um, they could but that's another topic for another day. That, when the leadership race for that kicks off, we'll have you back on for that one. Yeah, sounds good.
0: We uh, The the idea that Pierre is going to cakewalk us in has a lot of people concerned in the party. A lot of the old PCers, the, a lot of the statesmen, as we say, Let's be honest, and I think you and I will both agree with this. John Charest's leadership campaign so far has been so much of a dud that I I went to the event. I thank God, knock on wood, didn't get COVID-19. But it has been so lackluster that is the populist conservative movement that is the neoconservative, the social conservative, Is that more attracting and more energetic to people than the old progressive Brian Mulrooney uh, politics? Because I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at it as, okay, if I was to vote for a leader tomorrow, which one would I want? Would I want the person who is spewing the the sound bites on social media? Or would I want someone who's going to talk to me about policy and talk to me like I'm an adult and not just talk above me? I don't see either one of them in that category. I like, I, I know, as I say that I have two John Sharae signs behind me, but I do have a Pierre Poliver button on me. So for those who are about to say, you're talking out of your ass. Pardon my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but is someone like a John Sharae even welcome in the party anymore? Like, I don't see a lot of people even rallying around him to say, we want you to be the next leader. Or am I just thinking, OK, it's still how many days until uh, 30 days, almost 30 days to the day when this is airing till the next till till you have to announce. And then that's when things actually get interesting. Or am I just out to left field?
1: You know what? I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to say this. I'm going to be blunt. And you know what? I'm kind of glad it's just you and I recording on this. Friday morning, that somehow has gotten a little bit more overcast and dark. Yeah, but totally not in this room, which my lights yeah, are totally no. off. Yeah, I'm gonna say something, and people are gonna at me. People are gonna be pissed. But you know what? I'm just gonna say it. The wrong person is running for the party. You want an answer? There is an a- there is an MP in the party right now that could actually galvanize and mobilize all three elements of that party and make it a viable contender to the Trudeau liberals. And as much as people are going to hate it and are going to hate me for saying it, here it is. The MP that should be running and who I would actually be inclined to vote for if I were a card carrying member of of the CPC is the MP for Calgary Nose Hill. Boom, drop the mic right there. Because Michelle Rempel-Garner, for all of her little social quirks and for some of her takes are not necessarily the best sorry Chris here I got pause here oh I didn't realize how late I didn't realize how late we were anyway sorry no that worries. is um, sorry anyway got recording for my phone in 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 the car here but no the MP no Michelle Michelle's the person that could get it done because Michelle's the only adult in the room Michelle, She showed that leadership quality that the Conservative Party of Canada has truly been lacking for a long time in her piece when she called out the critics and opportunists in her party about the WEF. And she's like, screw you all. You're all full of shit.
0: She still could announce, don't get me wrong, she still could announce... And I still think there's going to be a a consensus candidate that does announce here shortly. But I would agree. Michelle would be a strong contender and she could possibly give Pierre an actual run for his money.
1: Yeah. You know what? If it were, yeah, Jean Charest for all the good that Jean Charest has done in the past, this isn't the 90s anymore. His time, it's not the same political environment for him to come out of the woodworks like this and run just speaks. And again, I don't want to knock him because he's a good guy and I don't want to knock his memory, but it has the same feel as as Jim Prentice coming back to Alberta to run for the leader of the uh, provincial PCs. Like I, it's, the I, same, go ahead. it's the same ambiance It's the I same.
0: Ha- I have been saying that for about a week and a half since Sheree came to Calgary. I, yeah. I, I chalked it up to this. 1997, John Charest left politics, federal politics, to go run in Quebec for the uh, Quebec Liberals. He was the sitting uh, conservative, progressive conservative leader. The person who won that leadership after was the Right Honorable Joe Clark. It was his second run at the leadership, and he was going to take the party back into power. And for all that it's worth, he was yesterday's man. And I say that with all respect to Joe Clark, because I respect him. I would love to have him on the show. But when Joe Clark won in 1997, the progressive conservatives became the progressive conservatives of Brian Mulrooney and Joe Clark of 79. If Sean Charest wins, the conservatives become the conservatives of 1993 and he is yesterday's man. I think he's going to do incredibly well. I hope he potentially does well and gives at least an actual race and not just a coronation but I think John Sherry is the Joe Clark of 1997.
1: Oh, absolutely, 100. It's not what you need. It's not what you need. No. It's not what the party needs right now. The party needs new faces. The party has new faces. The party has new values. And honestly, the political environment that we're all so diamet also insistent on having our diametric of like. I don't think that's not even the right, not even the right verbiage there, but our views, their views of left and right, like say those, that paradigm of what is left-wing, right-wing, the center anymore, we're still basing it on 1990s terms, but the world is very different 30 years later. It's like, it's no longer, it's no longer left and right. I don't, I'll be, and I'll be blunt to say that. It's like your narrative has become more an idea of values-based politics as opposed to Ideological-based politics. Those who still insist on the damn purity tests and gatekeeping, whatever the case may be, right? They're gonna try and hold to that, but you know what? They're clutching a pearl that no longer exists. I hate to say it, it no that it has no relevancy in this modern in in this modern dialogue. So if you want to label conservatives, you gotta really go back to the drawing board. And define what does this actually mean. And honestly, every political party has to go do that. Every Liberal time there's a new leader, they have
0: to do that, right?
1: Well, I'm just saying, even now, it's like have the willingness to take a look at yourself and realize that you're representing a dynamic population that doesn't say stay stagnant. Our population is changing, our values are shifting. That is a reality of a current of our current world. And if we continue to keep looking at it like it is uh post-World War II Europe or post-World War II world, right? Or the post-Cold War, it, you're missing so much of the nuance. And in this and this, moder- this modern and this modern concert in this modern conservative movement, this modern conservative movement scares me because it's not at all what conservatism really should look like if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go to a book. And I know I just 30 seconds ago talked about a an gatekeeping and a pure and, a, and the purity test, but I think at some point you have to have some standard. You have yours, but the standard, but the standard's shifting. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Who I'm has helpful.
0: standards in this day and age? Come on.
1: Well, no, you have to stand for something. But the problem, but the thing is though, is that even when you're standing for something, there is room for nuance. And yeah. that nuance doesn't exist. People want absolutes, people want something. So easy. They don't have to think about it. And that's what they're getting in this, in this leadership race. That's what they're getting. And I believe the candidates and really it's Sheree and, and Polly I don't even really know the other ones really because, and that's another warning sign. That's like, this isn't not going the way it should because you don't know who these people are. You only know who two of them are yesteryear and Jason Kenny 3.0, but whatever you want to call it, like they're not offering me anything of substance. They're no. offering me clickbait he- clickbait headlines. And I'm like, that doesn't that doesn't help me. Doesn't help me as someone who is looking to plant a vote.
0: No, exactly. Doesn't help.
1: Well, they don't have to worry about my votes anyway, because I don't think I'm gonna even vote for them right now. Well, actually, I know for a fact I won't and haven't for a few years. But if they wanted to actually make it an effort, you really gotta look and say, okay, great, let's take a look, just take the ideology away. Let's take a look at what we stand for. What is it we stand for? And if we want to blanket that, if you really want to pull the wool and pull the Band-Aid off and be like, okay, you know what? New world. Let's stop clutching the safety blanket. Let's just freaking go all in. Look at your values. Where are they? Now, you know what? You're going to find the values spread across different spectrums. You can take those and shape them to be your own. But the reality is, this: people are going to look for what you stand for. People are going to look for something. And honestly, Pierre doesn't inspire that. Sheree doesn't inspire that. And like I said, I stand by what I said, and I'll take the flack for it. Despite her quirks, despite her flaws, Garner, oh, yeah, she she knows what she stands for. She genuinely gets it. She's not necessarily the most tactful, but you know what? Some of the most powerful women are never never the tactful ones. They always say, it's like, you know what? Aaron, listen to a like a quiet woman. All the fierce ones were the best shit disturbers, and we love them for it. That's why people like in my world the Shannon Phillips, the Sandra Jansons. They're the ones I love because you know what? They don't take shit from anyone, and that's and that's Michelle. She is the conservative version of these of these two of these two women whom I very much respect and admire, and. She has her own flair. Does she, does there hyperbole? Of course there is, but there's hyperbole everywhere. Come on, let's just be real. But no, but she real. also has, <laughs> but she has the savvy to get things done. And that's where I will make my, will make my stand. And if the modern conservative party of Canada can figure themselves out, it's like, like fix yourself for your wreck yourself type of idea. They really need to fix themselves. You know what? If they really need to sit in the penalty box for this one, Till another four years, then do it. Take the time. Honestly, get, get it, it right. right. Yeah, get it right. Literally, because we saw in Alberta, that's what happened with the UCP. They didn't get it right. It was a marriage of convenience. It was a rush coalition. Sure, they got their short term results, but now, as um, as uh, Kenny's or some people are calling Kenny's Brutus, decides to write a scathing piece. I just call him, I just call him the golden cut of Alberta politics. Or it's like, you just saw which way the wind was blowing and shifted sides. It's like it was a good idea at the time. It's like, yeah. So with Blaze, with Blaze Bomer writing a scathing piece, he's like the experiment that was the United Conservative Party might be coming to an end. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> That's You guys built this thing like that. It was doomed to fail. We told you this five years ago. And I honestly see the modern conservative party going that way. If you're talking about unity all the time, staying united, unite the party. You're not united. Let's be real. You're not true. So, but I know there, and I just got to say for the record here, I am way over time. (laughs) No worries. No worries. Uh, I want to thank you for
0: doing this, Jeremy. Greatly appreciate it as always. Um, While we are only two weeks into this official leadership race, I know, uh, not Jeremy, but uh, Pierre Polivare announced earlier in February, the official race didn't really get underway until about middle of the beginning of March when all the candidates started out to announce. We are still 30 days away from that cutoff time when candidates have to announce so i'm expecting probably about three or four more mps or former mps or former premiers or whoever to announce um politics in alberta is going to be interesting in those next 30 days because we have a leadership review on the 9th of april as well so april is like amazing times for us here in uh podcast world um but Jeremy, thank you for doing this. This is always fun to have you on and talk about politics. We will have you back on again to sort of do a running tally of this conservative leadership race as it unfolds. And um I, it seems like it's getting overcast over there in uh southwest Calgary on this beautiful Friday morning. Uh but thank yeah. you
1: so much for doing this. You're very you're very welcome. And I actually look forward to doing your uh Post April 9th runoff with you because that's bound. That's bound to be a lot of fun.
0: There you go. Uh before we do go, I do want to just mention that this is our very first podcast that we're mentioning this on. We do have official merch now on the good old cross-borderinterviews.ca <laughs> website. So if you want to, you can head over and get the official cross-border interviews. Uh, notebooks, uh, 250 pages of notes with our beautiful button collection on them. So (laughs) we have NDP, we have PCs, we have Alberta NDP, we have Alberta PC button collection uh, notebooks that you can go in. They're $15 each. Uh, They will go towards you. They ship from Amazon. If you want to buy them from our website directly, they're a little bit cheaper. So head over to crossboardinterviews.ca. Pick one up for you, for your political lover in your family. It's always fun. Jeremy, as always, a pleasure and an honor to talk with you. Have yourself an excellent rest of your day. And remember, guys, get out from behind that social media feed get out from behind Twitter, get out from behind Facebook and have a conversation with somebody. It is uh, helping our democracy when we actually chat to each other. Surprise, surprise. So go out and do that. Go out and have a conversation because it makes us better as people. Have yourself an excellent rest of your days. Happy Friday, everyone. Happy Friday. And we will be back on Monday morning, guys. Talk to you later.